Welcome to Boundaries. This is a podcast based on the book Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend that's a classic. We're going to be going through, we're not going to be doing a flyover, we're going to be doing a drive-through so that we can really look at what this boundaries thing is all about. This first session is going to be on what is a boundary. It's going to be part one of two, simply looking at what is a boundary. So we're talking about boundaries. And one of the things that I say a lot is I think Christians have the worst boundaries out there. Uh, I've noticed that from my own life as well as others because of we're taught very true scripture, you know, turn the other cheek and care for one another. And those are very, very true scriptures uh, because the word of God is truth. What we tend to do as Christians is distort those a little bit. Uh, we take them to an extreme where we think we're just supposed to be doormats or that's what we end up being and we're worn out. Um, but what we're going to find out as we go through this study is that God has boundaries. Jesus showed us boundaries when he was here on earth. So we have record of that. And so we just, we're going to talk through this and see what it means as a Christian to have healthy boundaries. So what I'm going to start with, I'm not going to read all the time, but there are certain segments of the book that I feel like are very, very important. And so I'm going to be uh, reading a few things out of the book, and then we're going to be talking about those things. So from the book on page 27 from the Boundaries book, says the inability to set appropriate boundaries at appropriate times with the appropriate people can be very destructive. And this is one of the most serious problems facing Christians today. Many sincere, dedicated believers struggle with tremendous confusion about when it is biblically appropriate to set limits. When confronted with their lack of boundaries, they raise good questions. Can I set limits and still be a loving person? What are legitimate boundaries? What if someone is upset or hurt by my boundaries? How do I answer someone who wants my time, love, energy, or money? Why do I feel guilty or afraid when I consider setting boundaries? How do boundaries relate to submission? And aren't boundaries selfish? Those were great, great questions that they put in the book. So for the next few weeks, the next few sessions, we're gonna be talking about biblical boundaries, looking at biblical boundaries what they are, what they protect, how they're developed, how they're injured, how to repair them, and how to use them. So for the visual learners, I need you to imagine some things, or for all of us, I need you to imagine some things. We're going to pretend like you're in a plane and you are flying over uh, the United States. We all know what a map of the United States looks like, but when you're flying over it, you cannot tell where those boundaries are between those states. Yet those boundaries dictate different laws, different rules, different parts of the country. Uh, if you're from the South, there's a whole different way of, of living life uh, than from the North, perhaps. Uh, so different parts of the country have different cultures. But when we're flying over, we can't see that. So let's pretend like we're driving. So if you're driving in a car and you're going into a new state, 
How do you know where that boundary is? How do you know when you've entered into a new state with new laws and you know different ways of doing things? The only way we usually know is there's a sign on the side of the road. It says, welcome to. Then take it on down, say that you're here uh, in, in Oklahoma. I'm in Oklahoma and we have counties. So those different counties have different people in charge and they have maybe different rules and different things, but you don't know unless you see a sign where you're entering, exiting, entering from one to the other. So take it on down to a city. Each city might have their own rules and you might or might not know exactly when you're entering city limits. Usually it's a sign, something that indicates that. Then take it on down to our neighborhood or wherever you live. There are certain boundaries, maybe yards, which there are fences usually, sometimes. Uh, sometimes I've heard it said, fences make great neighbors because then you know where the boundaries are. Even if you're living in an apartment, you have a door that this is my area or wherever you live, there's something that dictates this is my area. So think of yards. We're going to be talking about those a little bit. But think of fences. Even if there's not a fence, sometimes you can tell the property definition by the color of the yard, the color of the lawn. Maybe one person's watered it more than the next next door neighbor, or they've mowed it. Um, one may be growing weeds and the next one looks very manicured. And so a lot of times, even without a fence, uh, we can tell the property definition. So that's what we're talking about. We're just going to be talking about it in terms of us and our emotions and our resources, our money, whatever our resources are, our time, all of those things. So we're going to be looking at those. So uh, one of my favorite parts of the book, to me it really outlines a lot, is the beginning of chapter two. I'm going to go ahead and read that um, because it really, I think, sets a tone for what this book is about. So the parents of a 25-year-old man came to see me, Henry Cloud, with a common request. They wanted me to fix their son, Joshua. When I asked where Joshua was, they answered, oh, he didn't want to come. Why, I asked. Well, he doesn't think he has a problem, they replied. Maybe he's right, I said to their surprise. Tell me about it. They recited a history of problems that had begun at a very young age. Joshua had never been quite up to snuff in their eyes. In recent years, he had exhibited problems with drugs and an inability to stay in school and find a career. It was apparent that they loved their son very much and were heartbroken over the way he was living. They had tried everything they knew to get him to change and to live a responsible life, but all had failed. He was still using drugs, avoiding responsibility, and keeping questionable company. They told me that they had always given him everything he needed. They supported him financially at school so he wouldn't have to work, and he would have plenty of time for study in his social life. When he flunked out of one school or stopped going to classes, they were more than happy to do everything they could to get him into another school where it might be better for him. After they had talked for a while, I responded, I think your son's right. He does not have a problem. You could have mistaken their expression for a snapshot. They stared at me in disbelief for a full minute. Finally, the father said, did I hear you right? You don't think he has a problem? That's correct, I said. 
He doesn't have a problem. You do. He can do pretty much whatever he wants, no problem. You pay, you fret, you worry, you plan, you exert energy to keep him going. He doesn't have a problem because you have taken it from him. Those things should be his problem, but as it stands now, they're yours. Would you like for me to help you help him to have some problems? They looked at me like I was crazy, but some lights were beginning to go on in their heads. What do you mean help him to have some problems? His mother asked. Well, I explained, I think that the solution to this problem would be to clarify some boundaries so that his actions cause him problems and not you. What do you mean boundaries? The father asked. Look at it this way. It's as if he's your neighbor who never waters his lawn. But, whatever, but whenever you turn on your sprinkler system, the water falls on his lawn. Your grass is turning brown and dying, but Joshua's looks pretty green and he thinks to himself, hey, my yard's doing fine. That is how your son's life is. He doesn't study or plan or work, yet he has a nice place to live, plenty of money and all the rights of a family member who is doing his part. If you would define the property lines a little better, if you would fix the sprinkler system so that the water would fall on your lawn, and if he didn't water his own lawn, then he would have to live in dirt, he might not like that after a while. As it stands now, he is irresponsible and happy, and you are responsible and miserable. A little boundary clarification would do the trick. You need some fences to keep his problems out of your yard and in his where they belong. But isn't that a bit cruel just to stop helping like that? The father asked. Well, has helping helped him? I asked. His look told me that he was beginning to understand. So to me, that really outlines what this whole book is about. So if you look at boundaries, what are they? Let's, let's do a definition real quick. Boundaries define us. They basically define us just like a, a fence around a yard in our own life, around our emotions, around our resources, around our time, they define us. What is me and what is not me? What is you? What is somebody over there? And what they also do is they help us differentiate ourselves from someone else. So it's basically, where do I begin and end in this relationship? Okay, here's another clip from Boundaries, another thing I'm gonna read because it talks about our freedom, how boundaries help us to live free. So this is on page 31 and 32. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. If I know where my yard begins and ends, I am free to do with it what I like. Taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. However, if I do not own my life, my choices and options become very limited. Think how confusing it would be if someone told you to guard this property diligently because I will hold you responsible for what happens here, and then they did not tell you where the boundaries of the property were, or they did not give you the means with which to protect the property. This would not only be confusing, but also potentially dangerous. This is exactly what happens to us emotionally and spiritually, however. God designed a world where we all live within ourselves, that is, we inhabit our own souls and we are responsible for the things that make up us. 
Proverbs 14.10 says, The heart knows what it's, knows its own bitterness, excuse me, and no one shares its joy. We have to deal with what is in our own soul, and boundaries help us to define what that is. If we are not shown the parameters or are taught wrong parameters, we are in for much pain. The Bible clearly tells us what our parameters are and how to protect them, but often our family or other past relationships confuses us about the parameters. In addition to showing us what we are responsible for, boundaries help us to define what is not in, on our property and what we are not responsible for. We are not, for example, responsible for other people. Nowhere are we commanded to get uh, to have other control, although we spend a lot of time and energy trying to get it. So boundary issues really get into what are we trying to control. There are times in our lives when, yes, we are perhaps responsible for someone else. Raising children, we're responsible for those children. Perhaps we are in a caretaking situation or a caregiver situation with someone who is not able to make their own decisions. And so in those situations, yes, we would need to be responsible uh, for someone. But as a general rule, if the person is an adult person and they can make their own decisions, we need to be able to let them do that and not try to take control of that situation. So one of the key things that we're gonna be talking about in this session is what does it mean to be responsible to someone and what does it mean to be responsible for someone? Those two words are very key, two and four. So the key concept is we are responsible to others but for ourselves. So what is the difference there? We're going to look at Galatians 6.2 real quick. That verse says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So the word burdens in that verse means excess burdens, like a boulder. Like if you go to the, the Strong's Concordance, that's what it's going to show you. How I like to explain that where we're not carrying around boulders a whole lot, but we might be helping somebody move and we might be helping them carry a mattress. It's hard for one person as a rule to carry a mattress. So that's a kind of thing that takes two people. It can even be hard with two people, but that is helping someone carry their burden. So that shows responsibility to another person. So there are times in our lives when we may have a situation going on where we really need help from our family, help from friends. They need, we need them to come alongside us and support us or encourage us or whatever. Okay, here is the, here, I wanna talk about what Jesus did. We're gonna go look at his death and resurrection here for just for a minute. And we, I'm gonna word this in a real specific way. We could not do what was required for salvation. We couldn't do it. So Jesus died to give us the opportunity for salvation. Let me say that one more time. We could not do what was required for salvation, so Jesus died to give us the opportunity for salvation. I'm wording it that way on purpose. And you may be like, well, yeah, but doesn't John 3.16 say, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life? Yes. 
We're going to take that verse apart here in just a minute. First, I want to go back to Galatians 6.5, three verses later from Galatians 6.2. And Paul says, for we are responsible, we are each responsible for our own conduct. So in 6.2, it says share each other's burdens, which is helping them carry something that they can't carry by themselves. And in 6.5, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. If you look at the word conduct in that verse, it's like knapsack, carrying their own stuff. So this shows responsibility for ourselves to carry our own stuff. So let's go back to John 3.16. Because it's, I'm giving my life, Jesus is saying, I'm giving my life to give you the opportunity for you to take the responsibility for accepting salvation. So in John 3, 16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever, whoever believes in him should have eternal life. So Jesus was responsible to us by giving his life, shedding his blood, rising again, but he can't do the believing part. That is up to us. So he was responsible toward us, to us. We have to be responsible for us. We have to do the believing in that. Jesus can't do it. He can't force us to accept his salvation. And God is going to protect our right to not do that, if you really look at it. So we need to kind of have an understanding of that as we are going through this, talking about the whole boundaries issue, as we are learning about those things, then we really have to have an understanding of what it means to be responsible to someone and what it means to be responsible for someone and the differences between those things. One thing I always like to say whenever I'm going through this with a group is don't go out right now and start setting strong, healthy boundaries because you're not ready yet. At this point in the game, we're not ready yet. God really started teaching me these things years ago, about 30 years ago. I, God took me through this book. He knew I needed healthy boundaries. He knew I was going to need to make some decisions in my life that were going to require healthy boundaries. I was not ready to make those kinds of decisions when I first started this book and when God started teaching me these concepts. And the reason I say don't go out and start making healthy boundaries right now, those big things. Say someone is always borrowing money from you or there's some issue um, that's going on. One thing I always say is our boundaries are connected to our identity. That's one of the things that's if you really, really get down to it, if you really boil it down, our boundaries are connected to our identity. When we, we are in the, all these relationships, we're in relationships with family, we're in relationships with children, we're in maybe adult children, we're in relationships with spouse, we're in relationship with um, people at work, friends, you know, we're, we're in relationships all over the place. Um, when we are in those relationships, we have a role, if you want to look at it this way, we have a role in that relationship. We always have this, this role in our, when we're with our extended family, with our family of origin. We have another, uh, another role in our, in our family with our uh, spouse and children. Um, so we have a role that we play. We start to realize perhaps that we're not, it's not the healthiest role, that something needs to start changing. One thing that, account, that counselors will tell you, my counselor that I was in counseling years and years ago when I was first starting to learn this, 
told me, he said, even if you're the only one who starts to make changes in the, in the group, the dynamics will start to shift and then it will force other people to have to start making decisions too. At this stage of the game, we're not ready to start setting those strong, healthy boundaries yet because our identity is still connected to that group in such a way that if we were to start making changes that they were not happy with because it's different than the role we have always played in that relationship and they don't like it because it makes their world uncomfortable all of a sudden, they will give pushback. They will maybe call us names, maybe say something like, well, I thought good Christians, that's not being a good Christian. That's a common one. Or they might say, I'm going to break off relationship with you. I won't come see you or I won't talk to you or I won't. Basically, they're applying pressure to get us to go back to doing what we've always done so that they feel comfortable in the situation. And so some of those are really hard. Uh, can be very hard to start setting healthy boundaries and be have that pressure applied by those who are not happy with that new boundary, that new healthy boundary. And so they start applying pressure. If we're not ready for that pressure, then we will not follow through with the boundary. Basically, whenever we start setting healthy boundaries, we have to be ready to follow through with the consequences that might come with that. Um, well, if you don't give me this, then I won't bring the grandchildren over. Or if you don't give me this, then I will, you know, whatever. Uh, so we have to be ready for that. And at this stage of the game in learning boundaries, we're not ready for that. And so that is one of the things, basically boundaries, knowing our boundaries is freedom. Uh, one of the things I think that we're going to be studying in the book is the people who are the least angry are those who have the best boundaries because the people, people know what your boundaries are. And so they know your boundaries and you don't have to get mad because that's usually triggers us when somebody crosses our boundaries. Uh, usually we get mad, we get angry. And so that's usually a sign that a boundary has been crossed. So that is session one. Thank you for hanging with me on this. And so next session, we're going to continue the study on what is a boundary. It's going to be part two of this. We're going to go into a little bit more of that. So I hope you join me for that session. <music>